that that you said Texas talking I'm gonna hoop up beside your head Texas talking Welcome to the Troopcast I'm John Heilman from New York Magazine And Evan, Evan stop Evan, stop. Take your hands off me, Evan. Unhand me. The, the, look, the host is Reeve Hamilton. He's awesome. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the third week of November. Joining me, fresh off of John Heilman's leg, is Editor-in-Chief and CEO Evan Smith. Man, you just pack your things right this minute. <laughs> Get out. That really was revolting. I'll, ha- I'll have Ralph Harwitz in here in five seconds if I you don't stop. I froze up. Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And Editor Emily Ramshaw. Hello. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We're happy to be here, sort of. Are you? <laughs> sort, of. <laughs> sort of. After listening to that what? intro, I sort of want to go vomit in the bathroom. Well, you have to wait 30 minutes, and then vomit you can do whatever you want. Guess, yeah. uh, if you are like me, and I'm sure the three of you are, then you woke up on Saturday very excited about the uh, announced announcement that was coming from uh, State Senator Leticia Van Pute about What's her Saturday future plans. What Saturday are you referring to? This past Saturday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm and going to announce an announcement. I'm going to announce an announcement. But then, this, is, this is the way that it happens now. But it then a I was like, it keeps working. Right. So, but, I mean, she did. It's like standby for news on right. Twitter. So, right. so yeah. everyone's expecting her to run for lieutenant governor. She announced that she was going to make a big announcement on Saturday. And then her big announcement on Saturday is that she's going to make an announcement later this week. Is that not the most annoying thing that anyone has ever done? We keep well, writing. Anyone, anyone has ever done, including the way you've held, handled the beginning of this podcast? No. <laughs> anyone other than Wendy Davis, who also did this exact same thing. They all do this. This is the strategy. It works. I'm exploring a possibility of thinking about running for president. She gets, another, she gets another news cycle out of it. Right. right. Does it work? Yeah. You keep, you keep the bubble going. You keep the Twitter going. You keep, you know, I mean, yeah. We've been talking about it for a week. Everybody, it's not as if people don't know what she's going to do. Right. And we've managed to kill a few minutes of it here on the podcast, so I guess it does work in that regard. So what do you think she – what does her getting into the lieutenant governor's race do? The double woman at the top of the ticket. I mean I think you may see the Texas Tribune writing about this in the in the coming days, potentially in the pages of the New York Times. But I do think – you know, Spoiler alert. Yeah, Whoa. I know. Well, I would like to say it's a preview, not a spoiler. It's going to be one of those Amon Bethesda plagiarism deals. She's announcing yeah, exactly. that she's announcing. <laughs> I'm announcing – exactly. This is what <laughs> – yeah. This is what these Texas women do. They announce their announcements. You should explain the plagiarism crack so that people know what you're talking yes, about. The right. best, best comment of all time, on, or, or a contender anyway, on the Texas Tribune site was somebody pointed out that <laughs> Amon Bethige's, um Texas Tribune story on Monday morning was lifted word for word apparently from the New York Times under a story – Written by one Amon Bethesda of the Texas Tribune. He, he, he really great. does get the good comments, doesn't well, he? And does. who, yeah, who are these people who just never read the byline and assume they can tell that it's word for word? Everybody who's not our mothers. Only mothers no, well, read he lifted, only. he lifted that too. You know, his name his is byline. Yeah. He, plagiarized he plagiarized his own byline. Right. They, they also, actually, they actually the commenter actually misspelled his name A A M A N. So maybe ah, he was confused. Ah, 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 Let's get back to Leticia. Listen, she. Uh, <laughs> she uh, <laughs> This is a good thing for the Democrats in that it has been a very long time, 20 years, since the Democrats have had this kind of uh, competitive environment. Wendy Davis and Letitia Vandepute together represent the most competitive ticket. I would even say more than Tony Sanchez and John Sharp 
Ross. I beg to differ. Why? Three or four tickets. I mean, they say this every year. It's Which like tickets? We finally, we finally have Ross the mayor of Houston. Which tickets? We finally have the mayor of Houston running with Chris $22 Bell and Ben Head fi- or whoever it was was not well, no, I'm, no, I'm just talking. You know, we finally have Bill White running with twenty-two, twenty-five million dollars. Who do you run with? We have Tony Sanchez running with seventy-five million dollars. Have we there ever have... been two women at the top of the ticket no, before in Texas? And it's always a name and an also ran. Come on, Tony. It's going to be a name and an not... also ran this time. No, it isn't. Okay. <laughs> well, but why is it going to agree be, well, to how, disagree? How is it a name and an also ran? I think the whole all the focus is going to be on the governor's race. Once we're out of March, the focus is going to be on the governor's race and the lieutenant governor's races. Oh yeah, that thing. Except that they can campaign together, probably in a way that others haven't. It in the nationalizes past. the election yeah. even yeah. further. It's the year that women are getting messed with. I'm not saying it's going to be successful. There are mm-hmm. many millions of reasons why ultimately we know the ending of this movie before we see it, but. It plays into a larger narrative. I don't disagree that it's a big story. I just disagree that it's the, the only competitive ticket since 1994. Truly competitive, number one and number two. No. John Cornyn's polls on the on the Sunday before he beat Ron Kirk had him three points ahead. That was a competitive race. Who did the poll? The same people that did the Dewhurst poll. <laughs> well, I'm just, the I'm just saying race? it was a competitive race. It was a competitive race all up and down the ballot. I would argue. I'm with but Ross. Then Ron this Kirk is not the 42%. most competitive race. But I do think this is clearly the most interesting race in a really long I think you guys are talking yourselves. About yourself, four years, I think. I think you guys are <laughs> yeah, talking right. yourselves out of what is a momentous electoral cycle compared to the last two decades. Well, I'm reluctant after 20 years of Democratic hype to buy it. But I'm not, I'm not buying the hype because I... Because you're because, creating because the hype. I'm not buying the hype because I have believed and believe and say publicly and will say again, right. they're going to lose. This is the guy who right? thought the water proposition wasn't going to pass. This I is, didn't. <laughs> this <laughs> is homemade for hype. For context. Look, LVP stands also for likely voter problem. Democrats have a big problem no matter who the candidates right. are on the ticket in turning out people about who D? don't normally turn out, likely so, voter Democratic. So my favorite, my favorite <laughs> nice. stat of the moment is they, they got 2.4 million people to vote in the Democratic primary when Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were battling in Texas. And they've never topped 700 since. So they've got at least a million point seven people who vote in Democratic primaries stuck on the couch. What, Van Depey is going to be important because of her gender. Which but is, Van Depute's also going to be important because of her ethnicity. Right. And I think she ends up spending most of the next year south of I-10 attempting to turn out Hispanics in places like San Antonio, Laredo, the Valley, Houston, out to El Paso, where the Hispanic community has not turned out as a percentage of its eligible vote anything like what the Anglos have turned out. And the only way Democrats can hope to come back is that they leverage some of that unrealized opportunity. This was the pre-election analysis of Linda, Chanda, Linda Chavez Thompson. Right. She was going to turn out Hispanics. everything south of, south of San Antonio, female, labor leader. I think you and I differ about the I degree think we to do. which Linda I, I, Chavez Thompson is not Leticia Vandepute. I think, I, I think we both agree that she's not the same person. She's definitely not the same person. <laughs> However, I think, you know, what you're hearing the pollsters say is that for Democrats to even have a shot, they have to make inroads with Latinos and they have to pick off some of the suburban woman vote. I think having two women at the top of the ticket absolutely helps that. And I think the fact that one of them is a Hispanic helps on the other side. Does and La- this year and does this year. Does doesn't mean they win. Does I mean, they still Senator Van Der Poot's role in Wendy Davis's filibuster, which created her own sort of like media storm. You're going to have that clip of her saying, what does a woman have to do to have her voice be heard? I'm paraphrasing, right? right? Mm-hmm. You're going to see that clip over and over right. for the next 12 months. Does that, that will be a campaign. Does that sort of intensify the microscope on the whole abortion issue? 
Well, well, the Republicans will intensify. I, the I don't think the Letitia thing does. I think the Letitia thing is the is the road out of just the abortion issue. I think that you know if the if the Republicans win the framing on this, then that whole discussion was right. about abortion. It's not like Cecile Richards as if, Wendy Davis. If is the Democrats win the framing on this, it was about women's health and it was about women in general. And Letitia's comments and, and role in that is the right. way out of the well, sort of. The although whole I do I do think Barbie the thing. inelegantly described by me get out of my vagina vote in the suburbs. <laughs> is going to be an important part of this coalition if it's, if it's to come together. Except we we, we do coalition... agree that that was inelegant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, we, agree, found, we, we agree on one ground. thing. Except the this... suburban women who might not otherwise be inclined to vote Democratic, there may be some of that, the kind of split-ticket households, mm-hmm. you know, where the women say, you know what, uh, the husbands vote conservative, uh, reliably Republican, but the women go, you know what, they've just been messing with – you know, uh, women's health, uh, Governor vetoes the equal pay legislation, whole host of women's issues. We don't think women are getting a fair shake. I'm going to vote for the women just because. You know, I, I really don't understand that particular demographic. I think because we hear from so few of them, this these quote-unquote undecided Texas women or these quote-unquote undecided suburban female voters, I'm not really sold that they exist. I'm not either. I don't think they're there. I, I think that's I think that's. Do you think the concept of the soccer mom <clears throat> is a fantasy or is it a relic of another era? No, I era? think the concept of the soccer mom is right. I think the concept of, the of, a, Republican, of a Republican mom. deciding to vote for a Democrat on one issue is a real leap. Wasn't that a soccer? Wasn't the soccer mom sort of women who trended in one direction in previous elections, willing to trend in a different election, a different way in a different election? Yeah, but that was a national story, and not a Texas story. I don't. I don't think Texas Republicans see or have seen. Let's put it this way. Let's make it historical. Texas Republicans haven't yet seen a Democrat that they were going to jump over and support. You know, first you have to decide. I'm not going to support the Republican. And you have to ask yourself, does Greg Abbott have enough flies on him for them to do that? Well, I must and say, the, the biggest second, problem with then, that argument right. is that Greg Abbott is not enough of a disincentive for them to vote right. Republican. They, they've got to leave the Republicans and then go from neutral, which is the first position after leaving, mm-hmm. to Democrat. And that's, that's a couple of big leaps. Right. They're, I think it's a huge leap. What about, what about um, Vanderbilt's uh, strong ties to the military? Does that – I mean, that's she, sort of she, a, she chairs the a Veterans Affairs issue. and Military mm-hmm. Installations Committee in the that Senate. You, she does have a she com- represents a district that is heavy military. But couldn't you imagine that being more of an issue than this other stuff we've talked about as something that might sway somebody? I mean, I would say that for the for the general, you know, they steer clear of a lot of the abortion issues. Really focus on Leticia's military background and really play up Wendy Davis as you know more of a moderate, which she really was in Fort Worth. The issue for Vanderpute is going to be: Do you get enough? fuel here, money, um, to tell people who you are and what you're about. She's certainly got the bona fides to talk about veterans issues and those kinds of things, but nobody knows that. You have to have the ability to – you have to get voters to say Letitia Vandepute and veterans, and that, that takes resources. That and takes how money. much do they campaign together as a ticket versus campaigning you know, separately around this? I state? think the analogy here may be to Clinton and Gore. Remember the whole Huck and Tom idea? Historically, when you were the nominee of the, of, of the party, you would look to mitigate your weaknesses by bringing in somebody who was geographically different or ethnically or in terms of gender different. And what Clinton did was basically embrace somebody who was similar. Now, Davis and Vanderpute are not perfectly similar, but it is more of a same-same ticket. And I think that's pretty interesting. Wendy Davis didn't say, I've got to go find a former Republican-turned-Democrat or a conservative Democrat who's personally pro-life to mitigate the fact that they're going to try to make this into Greg Abbott versus the abortionist. She said, we're going to put all of our chips on this square, and we're going to see if we can't run with it. Now, the interesting question I think 
unresolved. So we now know who three of the party's nominees are going to be. Republican for governor, Democrat for governor, Democrat for lieutenant governor. Unresolved is the Republican for lieutenant governor. And I would submit to you that the outcome of that primary will have an impact on the degree to which there's opportunity, whether it's enough opportunity, for Vandepute. Yeah, so so go back to the thing we were talking about a minute ago. What is the Republican who would get a Republican, a moderate Republican? Which of the lieutenant governor nominees would make a moderate Republican go, hmm, don't want to do that? I could think of one. Well, I mean, you know, potentially, potentially. That's, potentially that's Dan Patrick. If you run to the right in that primary, who's, right. who's least likely to run back to the middle in the general election or who's least capable of running back to the middle in the general? And that's Dan Patrick. Right, right. You know, Dan Patrick is also willing to say, as the radio talk show host is apt to say, pretty much anything and to be kind of out there with his strong principles. Well, you can be out there with your strong principles and inadvertently step on a landmine. And the the person of the four who is perhaps most at risk of inadvertently stepping on a landmine may well be Senator Patrick. And certainly Senator Patrick would be the one who would have the hardest time running as a centrist if you felt like you had to in a general. Well, even if he doesn't screw up, he's the sharpest contrast. He is the sharpest contrast. Right. And, you know, he's the, you know, you can walk in and say, you know, you don't have the problem of walking in with George Bush and Al Gore when everybody said, you know, it's the same guy in both parties. You know, it's basically there's no difference between these guys. There's differences. You know, you've got Abbott and Davis. That's a pretty sharp difference. You've got, you know, potentially Vandepute. And Patrick, that's a very sharp difference. If it's Vandepute and Dewhurst, then I still think there's a chance Dewhurst wins that without a runoff. I think it's a narrow chance, but I think there's a chance. You mean Vandepute and Dewhurst will win when he wins without a runoff? You mean in the primary? You still think there's a possibility that yeah, Dewhurst just puts this away? Yeah. Are there any issues on which Vandepute and Davis differ in any kind of stark way? I mean, it would be interesting to go back and look at their records and see if there's anything. I, I yes, the if only that. I knew a news organization <laughs> that had the, yeah. the, the ability to deploy resources to find that out. So is that a spoiler alert, too? I don't know. You're going to have to wait and see. I'll let you know about that next weekend for the following week. We'll have an announcement of that. Is it it beneficial or bad for the Democrats that they're basically running more or less one person per slot? So, I mean, you said that one of the things Vandepute has to do is get people to know that she has this military record, for example. How do you do that if you have no one to compare yourself well, to? Other hand, I'm not sure well, that Bill White benefited from having to dispense with Farouk Shami. I mean, I don't know that no, competition is fantastic. I mean, but if you look at I think we all benefited from that. She doesn't have to waste any of her money trying to defeat somebody in a primary, right. so that's clearly beneficial. I mean, while the other folks running for lieutenant governor are spending cash trying to, you know, get out of a runoff, potentially – she doesn't have to deal with that at all. So financially, it's a boon. But the problem is financially, the Democrats are facing, you know, a tough road anyway. Yeah. You know, together, the Republicans are going to burn 25 to $30 million in their primary. In the primary, right. In, in the yeah. lieutenant governor primary. And she doesn't have to do that. The Democrats up and down the ballot, for the most part, uh, get all of this time to raise money and right. to point over their shoulder saying, look at what the Republicans are doing and use right. that as yeah, a fundraising look at tool. Hasn't she also been a up? national figure within like Naleo and well, she, was she was a co-chair, co-chair of, the of the Democratic convention? Con- right. convention. Right. You know, I, I want to come back to the idea that this election will be nationalized <laughs> by virtue of Wendy Davis being on it, by virtue of a prominent Hispanic. One thing I heard the other day that I thought was fascinating is there are currently no Democratic Hispanic governors. Right. The only Democratic Hispanic senator is Bob Menendez. There are very few prominent Democratic Hispanic political figures nationally. Mayor Castro may get there on the merits, but he also gets there because he's one of the only Latino, prominent Latino Democratic 
Maybe. figures. She becomes, by virtue of being the candidate in this race, a prominent figure so that the National Hispanic Fundraising Network probably deploys its resources in the same way that Emily's List and some of the groups that support women candidates will be focused on Texas. Again, those people don't vote in Texas. Right. Big- so it's not enough to say, well, I raise money in D.C., Washington, Los Angeles, and that is determinative, but it does matter. A big right. interesting business question here is whether the Texas Democrats can raise enough money to be competitive in these things. Not and, just from the Mostens. Well, and, and right, and not just from, you know, one or two people. Whenever you raise money from one or two people, you've got all of their, you know, all of their fleas, right? So uh, Wendy Davis. Not that you're suggesting the Mostens have fleas. Oh, all dogs have fleas. How's that? Um, Wendy Davis. Jeff is, Rotkoff, call your office. Yeah. Yeah. Wendy, yeah. Jeff Rotkoff definitely has fleas. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, double down. Yeah, let's go Again, for it. Again, speaking of double down. Let's go for it. Um, Wendy Davis has already shown some ability to raise money around the country. Um, so does Letitia Vandepute raise money from the same sources around the country or bring more sources to it? That's an interesting question. Yeah. But does that does that phenomenon also benefit the Republicans if they think that, uh, you know, they are under a legitimate threat? I was at a like a local Republican, uh, like area Republican meeting in Clear Lake last night. I was interested in how seriously they were taking and talking about Battleground Texas. They were talking about it like it was, you know, the biggest threat. Because to it's a fundraising they have to, because, right, for fundraising, they raise exactly. money. I mean, every time you hear Battleground Texas, they're thanking Jeremy Bird and those guys for right. coming in because they've got something to fundraise against. Mm-hmm. Right. right? So it should be Agreed. a very expensive, very exciting race is what we're... It's going to cost oh, a fortune. I can't it's wait. Gonna, yeah, the, the governor's race is going to be a forty to fifty million dollar race after the primary, um, and the the lieutenant governor's race, if Vandepute can raise serious money, is going to slipstream behind enough. that. Right, enough, en- enough money. Right. Um, you know, is another is probably another twelve million per candidate. Um, the Democrats still haven't found an AG candidate. I guess they've got a couple rattling around. I don't really expect um, a lot of money in in Democratic you think races. Resty? Eventually pops up. Arresti's looking at Arresti it. was named as a I, potential. You know, I don't know. He's been sort of flirting around. I bet. I bet not. Ultimately. Um, so who will it be? Be that Sam Houston fellow. Well, Sam Houston's already in. Mike Collier's in the Great controller's name. race. Who in a in a normal competitive year, Collier looks like a pretty good um, controller candidate. Just a straight up, you know, not you know. Looks qualified for the job. In a job. year Looks in like which a, the D yeah. next to your name is not a disqualifier. If this was right. a purple state, that'd be a, that'd be a ordinarily competitive candidate. But, but didn't you know, people say the same thing about Jeff Weems in the Railroad Commission race last time? Not, not to the same degree, right. I don't think. So right. if you were a betting man, do any of these Ds get across the finish line? No. No. Are you no. betting men? Not, not, not in, in, in lieu of a precipitating event. Mm-hmm. Right. Of, you know, Greg Abbott or somebody doing a Todd Akin or well, an asteroid falls and hits all the Republicans. Mm-hmm. One of the things the Democrats have, no. have stopped doing in Texas and that you have to do is you have to have serious candidates all the time just in case. Right. You know, and, this and is that's your, another reason Vandepute right. matters. You'll, you'll and this always, is your in case. You'll, right? win, you'll win in a year when you didn't necessarily expect to. The last guy in the world who was supposed to win in 1990 was Rick, Rick Perry. Perry. Mm-hmm. You know, Clady right. Williams was supposed to win that year. Problem is that the Rick Perry unlikely to win candidate for ag commissioner – this time is Kinky Friedman. Right. Right. Well, and th- that's another place to go on this ticket. If you're looking at a full up and down ticket, the Democrats or the I'm sorry, the Republicans can point to certain individuals on the Democratic ticket and they say they're running nameless but attempt to sell everything with a price tag attached and some right. things without it. Name rhymes with Binky Teedman. And you know, they they got a clown car over there. And it's, you know, really you're running that guy? 
Binky Tiedman sounds like a total like clown name. Binky Tiedman's clown car. Yeah. It's a little side <laughs> business Ross has going. It does. Let's move on to a topic where the conservatives appear to have lost for the time being, actually, over at the UT Austin campus. Uh, you were shaking your head, Emily. You want to explain oh, what well, that I was? was? Yeah, I, what's this thing you organized? <laughs> yeah, right. Good, very good question. Ross, uh, the uh, University of Texas branch of the Young Conservatives of Texas, uh, famously known, notoriously known maybe for hosting a an affirmative action bake sale earlier this fall that got a lot of attention. Yeah. Famously uh, is a bit too strong. Maybe. Yeah. I have changed it Locally. notoriously. Locally. In our world. I don't know. It, it made a lot of headlines. It was on the Huffington Post. Some people read those things. Anyway, this Communist. they decided that It was in the Huffington week, Post bake sale vertical. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You want to totally. be the cupcake editor? I can, I can call her if you want. <laughs> exactly. So they decided that they, on Wednesday of this week, were going to host a game called Catch an Illegal Immigrant, uh, where they basically drew attention, wanted to draw attention to uh, illegal immigration by putting stickers on some volunteers. And basically, if you found one of their volunteers, a quote unquote illegal immigrant, and apprehended them, you would get a $25 gift card. You were, also, you were de- deported to Madame Mams right. when you enjoyed some <laughs> yeah, delicious right. lunch. We exactly. should say that it's not an original idea. It's something that University of North Texas did in 2005, and I think UT tried to do and that was not successful then because of an outcry. Yes, but right. if I were your mother, what I would say, if your friend jumps off a building, do you then do it? <laughs> so, these, the Are you not my done, mother? The fact right. that yeah. some days we've... The fa- but the fact that it's been done before is not Reason right. enough. It's a data point, but it's not an excuse. No, I'm just saying they're not original. Right. That's so they were so they were not original. Not only that, right. And right. So it ended up the event ended up being canceled by the event organizer, I guess after sort of a large outcry and some some concerns from the university that this was violating this the school's ethics policy or honor, honor code. code. I, I think their concerns about Bill Powers being upset were, were trumped by their concerns that Greg Abbott and the Republican establishment well, I think, right. walked yeah. away and that's from really what was the your background. what was your role in organizing this? I read about it online. Yeah, well, right. This is a funny little flap. Hmm. The funny little flap is that I guess apparently if you work for a news organization and you tweet this news um, and it gets retweeted, suddenly the whole universe believes that you were the one organizing the event. Hater. Didn't, so, and didn't Binky Teedman or someone I come after it. you? Right. I knew it the whole so, time. Binky Teedman, yes, that's who it was. <laughs> who, was right. it, who was it that attacked you? A, a number of people attacked me on social media. Uh, and it was also retweeted by a gentleman by the name of Chingo Bling, who is, I think, a rap Star. You guys thought Binky Tiedman <laughs> Right. Uh, and so a who gentleman has... gentleman named Chingo Bling. Chingo I Bling. Think you sound like Mitt Romney. And what are you suddenly... It's <laughs> the whitest podcast ever. And suddenly Chingo Bling's many, many followers were very, very angry with me so on social media. So we should clarify for Mr. Bling that you did not I organize it. I did not organize the event. Reporting it. I was just reporting it on it on behalf of Julian Aguilar, our reporter who wrote about the event. Uh, but there were, was some other interesting tidbits here in that this uh, young man who organized this event, Lorenzo Garcia, I believe right. is his name, he, uh, as recently as six or eight weeks ago, was a paid uh, campaign staffer for Greg Abbott. He was Greg an intern. Abbott. Was he paid? He was on the payroll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he apparently parted ways with them because— That's how I knew he wasn't an intern. He was paid. Right. Right. He parted ways with them Inside because joke. he had too much schoolwork to do. <laughs> hashtag apparently, now. Hashtag planning illegal immigrant mock raids. No, so, so I mean, but how interesting is it that he used to work for the Abbott campaign? You know, the, the Democrats in the state quickly tried to tie well, this to Abbott. It's an undeniable fact, but you can't really hang this around Abbott's well, neck. It's right. embarrassing no, what, at worst. What's increasing, what's right. even more interesting is that since we wrote this story, we've had a bunch of people who know Lorenzo Garcia send us photos of him 
these people are young Democrats, right. and they're sending us photos of Lorenzo Garcia at an Obama rally or some Obama event, you know, a couple of years ago decal, with right. a big O face decal. Oh, I didn't know about that, really. Is yeah, that so? so clearly uh-huh. this young no. man ha- is a little confused. But that's well, that's one of the things. A, why can't kids be kids? No, he's a. <laughs> right. I mean, he's an undergraduate. That's why I. I is should this story have right. gotten? He's an undergraduate. That's a, that really is the explanation for all of this. No, but that is it right. That's right. Yeah, should this be story be such a, a huge deal? I mean, it's like some twenty-year-olds making a mistake. Right? Who are iffy on their their own politics? It is 20 year olds making a mistake, and I think we can accept. Okay. On the other hand, it is not 20 year olds who are said now to have a political problem with Latinos, it is conservatives. And so the fact that he is the young conservatives of Texas as opposed to the physics club doing this. It becomes by virtue so, of the circumstances. So Greg Abbott is in the position of the embarrassed parent saying, yes, that's one of my children. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, but he's a lunkhead. I mean, <laughs> so you're 20 years old. Promoting a racist event is I'm not know, ex- something that I'm not can, excusing it, but, not I'm not, but I, what, what I'm saying, I'm in fact with you. I think yeah. that actually it is relevant, but I think the reason it was relevant is especially because of the political circumstances right. outside that. Well, I think it's more Shine relevant to the, the to the point that I think Joaquin Castro t- tried to make on Monday that, uh, you know, it's not the first time we've seen something like this, right? We saw uh, that girl that worked for Dewhurst a couple of years ago tweet something about shooting the president. Uh, and there is sort of – I mean you do see this sort of trickle-down rhetoric uh, among sort of the young people that try to get involved in these movements that I think is somewhat telling perhaps. Well, there, there are definitely – uh, but I don't know if we need to vilify Lorenzo Garcia to to the extent that he has been. I mean, he, he's certainly in the wrong. Uh, I'm not also, sure anybody... we don't need to vilify him. Other people are doing yeah, exactly. that work well, for us. Or I would argue he's done it for himself. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, did, I did think that the, the there was a, a certain amount of hilarity in the statement they put out yesterday as we sit here. Abbott? Uh, no, no. The no, YCT. The YCT. Oh, right. Saying that they were calling off the mock immigrant raid because they feared retaliation from the university as if this were somehow a free speech well, issue. And, well, actually, the university, I thought, sort of went out of its way to say it's there is, free well, there is yeah. free speech here. Right. People can say whatever they want, but as far as our honor code is concerned, although Wayne Slater, the Dallas Morning News, wrote a column, uh, I think, last night, posted last night, basically saying, you know, did the university go too far in trying to crush this event. No, not at all, because the uh, – I mean, I actually thought the university came out pretty strongly on mm-hmm. it. I mean, they said, you know, this could be an honor code violation, so be careful about doing it. But there's a big difference between speech and actions. And they were basically creating an environment. And there are undocumented students on campus. Right. And right. they're sanctioned to be there by Governor Rick Perry, who signed that law into effect in 2001. Uh, and so by creating an environment where you're encouraging people to hunt these people down is clearly a threatening action to people on campus, and that's a clear violation of the honor code, I think. And, and the YCT guys knew what they were doing. Right. They didn't stumble into this controversy. They, they were courting No, they just okay, did so, the affirmative so, action. So run. stand back for a minute. In their world, did this work? Hugely. It was a huge win for them. I do. They got incredible amounts of attention. Who the hell was event? talking about them yeah. before? <laughs> no, but right. I think well, you know what's funny is in the is in the is in the wake of this most of the statewide officials they've got a straw poll going and most of the statewide officials statewide candidates I shouldn't say most many of the Republican statewide candidates are now Seeking currently tweeting and saying right? you know hey yeah. be sure to be sure to vote for us in the YCT poll right. that you know those they were well, so we, about, had, we you and I got right. a text from a consultant right. to a candidate running for statewide office against a field of candidates, one of whom received the YCT endorsement. This consultant's candidate did not. Right. And that consultant wrote to us in the midst of all this and said, you ought to go call 
the candidate who got the YCT endorsement and ask him, do you think this is a good thing now? You right. want that endorsement? Right. Uh, that's maybe st- overstating it a tiny bit. They're not going to renounce the endorsement on the basis of this. They're going to keep it, the endorsement, and it's going to show up in one of their mailers later in the you year. You know it will, mm-hmm. right? Well, it depends on if you think that their stated – if their goal was their stated goal, their goal was a secondary get attention for well, the group thing, right? Because their stated goal is to – Either way, it works. But I don't know if they really got the discussion about illegal immigration going that they really wanted. They're not really – I mean well, – Not in the way they wanted to. But do they really want a conversation about illegal immigration or do they want attention? I well, mean, that's what I'm saying. Their stated yeah. goal was now you they want like mom. a discussion about <laughs> yeah. illegal immigration. And what they got was sort of an affirmation from many different camps of sort of this is not the way you have a discussion about illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. I did think it was funny that the only thing they actually apologized for said that they were in the wrong about was offering gift, gift cards, cards, which yeah, I, I, I didn't really think anybody <laughs> – yeah, yeah, no one no one does gift cards anymore. That's true. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm really sorry that these gift, car- gift cards are from Walmart yeah, they're and not the, from they're the worst Central Market. Terrible. Givers, yeah. you know. It's impersonal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they really were not apologetic at all. I mean, they just. Uh, right. Listen, there are a whole bunch of former YCT chairs running around this political environment in Austin, running around this election cycle. And uh, I suspect that they are kind of going, you move on. Right. Right. They'd like to right. see this, this subject. Next. It's an organization that they did care about and did lead. They just like to see the whole thing move on. That is my strong suspicion. I, but without apologizing for it, I got to go back to, you know, they're 20 year olds. They're going to make judgment mm-hmm. mistakes. The YC, YCT and groups like this are going to continue to show up and, and make headlines for us. Shingo for years Bling is going to be up your ass over that statement. Boy, <laughs> no, oh boy. Mr. I really – I had to watch all his YouTube videos last night because I had no idea who he was. Did he, ma- did he make <laughs> you do you, that? Like, are you a fan? Are you, you a fan talking about now? hunting varmints like Mitt Romney now. You are the Mitt Romney like, of this podcast. Just to be clear, neither – none of you knew who Chingo Bling was. Either. Are you who are Chingo you, Bling was? Oh, okay. Evan sent me a link to his video like two months ago. It's great. <laughs> I didn't know. Who, I did not know who Chingo, Chingo Bling, Bling is. I have children who occasionally listen to the hip hop. The hip hop. <laughs> he used to be the editor of this publication that had an arts section. I did. I knew my Bun B from my Chingo Bling. Uh, what's Can the, you what's the name a third D- <laughs> energy department? Uh, DJ Screw. I knew. I published the DJ Screw story in my day. All right, let's not. The good news let's is I suddenly have some to Evan's yeah. nostalgia. Sometimes this podcast sounds like we've all taken cough syrup, so that's actually true. The good yeah. news is I now have like all kinds of interesting Twitter followers. You do? Yes. Is that right? Great. Well, in celebration of that, if, if anyone would like to know how to follow Emily Ramshaw on Twitter, you can email tribcast at texastribune.org, and we'll give you instructions. In the meantime, we'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. Not hip-hop. Correct. All right, you get the you get the gift card. Oh, great. <laughs> Good. I need things at Walmart. All right. On behalf of Ross, Emily, Evan, and our producer Todd, this is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Letitia Vanderpuy. And the Young Conservatives. Yeah. Right. That's our new children's book series.